Welcome to the Baptist Broadcast. Thank you for tuning in here on YouTube or wherever you're coming in at Anchor.fm, iTunes, Spotify. Hey guys, I've got a I, I've got a, a newsletter. I have uh, started a newsletter. This is a good way. Newsletters are a good way to communicate with those who are frequent readers. And so I have a newsletter, and it has both free and paid options. Of course, if you subscribe uh, to the premium uh, subscription on the newsletter, which you can find just just down, yeah, yeah, just down here, right here. Just go to joshsummer.substack.com. And uh, of course, there's all sorts of perks and things for for signing up to the uh, to the paid subscription, uh, which is only forty five dollars for a year. Um, I brought that down as low as I could have it. It, it Substack makes you charge at least five dollars a month, but you can you can charge less than that at the yearly rate. So I I, I brought it down to forty five dollars a year, and uh, you'll get discussion questions. Um, on the weekly uh, that you can interact with other paid subscribers on, and I'll, I'll send those out. You'll get the newsletter, of course, and uh, you will not get the newsletter that everyone else gets. You'll get that too, but you'll get a newsletter also that uh, will include links to exclusive videos that nobody has access to except for the paid subscribers. So check that out, and uh, if you don't want to pay for it, no big deal. Just just get the free subscription. You'll get all the normal content. Uh, you'll get the uh, the, the articles that I post on my website will be sent out uh, via newsletter, uh, and you'll get those. And um, and sometimes you'll you'll get uh, uh, maybe some maybe some sound bites or some some podcast material or some video material that uh, non-subscribers will not will not get. I haven't decided uh, what to to do with that quite yet. So uh, it's just a convenient way to to know when something new has been published on the website and when something new has has come out, either video, podcast, or blog. So what I want to do today is I want to uh, first tell you to subscribe to the channel. Uh, click down below, subscribe, uh, click the red button, click the bell for continued notifications. That helps uh, you get the content when it's published on YouTube, and it uh, also helps me get this very important information out that we're about to talk about today, which is Augustine. It's Augustine. It's actually the doctrine of God as it relates to Augustine. Um, I uh, one of the things that I keep noticing is that the the boogeyman in this conversation has quickly become uh, it's quickly become a, uh, a a moniker. Thomism. Thomism is of course the boogeyman, and Thomism is uh, one toe in to Roman Catholicism. If you'd ask a, a lot of these guys. Um, James White just said in a recent dividing line that, you know, it's all connected. Everything that Thomas believed, it's all connected. And so if you believe some of Thomas, you must believe all of Thomas. And that's just simply not true. Some things are are necessary to Thomas's, uh, Thomas's uh, theology proper. Some things are not. Um, his version of the Eucharist is not necessary. Uh, in fact, I would I would say that uh, that his version of the Eucharist departs in some respects. Although I think I think that uh, people misunderstand Thomas when they read him on the on the Eucharist. Um, uh, but but it does not flow necessarily from his doctrine of God, um, and neither does it flow necessarily from the the metaphysical distinction that he makes between substance and accidents. Um, and that's a, that's what a lot of people don't understand, and uh, and they think that well, if you if you adopt Thomas's theology proper, 
uh, then you must adopt his ecclesiology, you must adopt his sacramentology, and all of this other, other stuff that we would obviously disagree with Thomas concerning. But I think if people understood that Thomism, when we say Thomism, we're, we're not talking about anything that originated with Thomas. I mean, it, it's, it, it's not anything that originated with Thomas any more than Calvinism is something that originated with Calvin. And so a, a lot of these guys are making the same objections that, um, that uh, Arminians make against Calvinists. They say, well, your theology started with Calvin. Therefore, it's a man-made doctrine. Therefore, it's heresy. Therefore, you shouldn't believe it. Right and 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 Calvinists here, self-professed Calvinists here, are objecting against so-called Thomism, using the same kind of tactic, and it's just it's just very uh, the optics are, are very bad. It just it just looks very sloppy. It looks like you don't know what you're talking about, and people see that. People watch, and you can you can reply and respond to to that. You can you can say, well, oh, I've read Thomas for five years or three years or whatever. Look, time will tell. And, and your readership will tell, and your audience will, will ultimately judge whether or not you are staying on top of these issues as you claim to be doing. And, um, and so what I wanted to talk about today is how Thomism is, is not, uh, is not um, most certainly not exclusive to Thomas in the historical scheme of things. And it certainly did not start with Thomas. And I think if we understood Thomism really to be the, the aspects of Thomism that, that, uh, that Christians, that, that Reformed Christians have believed and do believe, are nothing different, diverse, disjointed from, uh, discontinuous from Augustinian theology. And if you just read Augustine's work on the Trinity... Uh, you get to chapter 5, and he makes some heavy qualifications when he's talking about some of the difficulties with the Trinity. What you'll find is, is, is Thomas's precedent for using some of the language he did with regard to who God is substantially, essentially, naturally. Um, Thomas's immutability, his, his, his doctrine of immutability, what jo Jeff Johnson calls Im uh, immovability, it, it, it's, it sits on the shoulders of Augustine. And I think we understood that nothing novel in terms of the doctrine of God itself is found in Thomas. Uh, now, Thomas does go about explaining some of uh, some aspects of the doctrine of God that, that I think actually is, is helpful in terms of increasing our understanding of God and uh, theology proper, and then also the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, and, and, and he employs categories to help us think more clearly about that. But this is really no different than Augustine employing certain categories to help us think about uh, the doctrine of God um, and to help us think about other aspects of theology. And he employs categories that, are, that, 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 that Plato used, that Aristotle used, that are found within the broader Platonic tradition. And it doesn't mean that Augustine is, uh, is, is taking Plato's thought as it is abstracted from anything Christian, as it is abstracted from anything revelatory, and dropping it into Christianity and trying to smush Christianity into Platonic terms. That's not what's going on. Uh, in fact, when we, when, we, when we use categories such as essence, nature, uh, when we use categories such as even person, and, uh, you know, categories like that, form, right, uh, matter, cause, you know, when we're, when we're engaging in using these categories, 
we would say that we're using these categories as Christians within the within the realm or within the uh, within the general traditional milieu of the Platonic tradition, uh, and that's not because these these the concepts represented by these categories are Platonic in originality. It's not because they originated from Plato or Aristotle or any of them. But it's because these these terms have affected Western civilization so much that that we've been born into and brought up into that milieu, and and it's been that Western philosophical milieu that has given us the terms uh, that we need to talk about the concepts that have already been in existence. Nobody invented the concepts, right? Nobody invented. Uh, obviously, nobody invented. God, nobody invented the doctrine of the Trinity, and yet we use language to improve the way in which we we think and speak about God. Some of that language is found in Scripture, some of it isn't. Uh, the, the word Trinity, not found in the Scripture, right? But it represents a biblical concept. The word essence, you're not going to find that in the Scripture. And and if you and if you do find a word that is similar to it, you're not going to find it used in the way that we use it with regard to the doctrine of God and the 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 persons of the Trinity. Uh, subsistence, um, you're you're not going to find that. Uh, relation, you're not going to find that. Modal distinction, you're not going to find that. Right. But these are all words that help us as finite creatures talk better about the God who is revealed to us in the book of nature and the book of scripture. So, um, we need to, we need to, we need to understand that, that when we, when we talk about Thomism, we're using that term to speak to a deeper, uh, more, uh, a, a more archaic and a more biblical concept than, uh, many, many think. All right, so we're not talking about something that originated with Thomas. We're not talking about something that Thomas invented when we use the word Thomism, any more than we're talking about something Calvin invented when we use the word Calvinist. Right? These are just terms to distinguish doctrinal distinctives. Um, and so when we're talking about Thomism, we're actually not talking about we talk, especially when we talk about Thomism in relationship to the doctrine of God, we're not talking about anything different than Augustinian theology proper. And I'll give you an example. I posted this on my page, and I could I could give you I could give you more examples. Um, and and the place you want to go to is Augustine's work on the Trinity, uh, on the Holy Trinity, and you want to read chapter five. Um, but he says this. Where is it? Let me see. If I can't find it. Here we are. He is, however, without a doubt, and this is Augustine, a substance. He's talking about God. Um, he is, however, without a doubt, a substance, or if it be better so to call it an essence, which the Greeks call ousia. For as wisdom is so called from the being wise and knowledge from knowing, so from being comes that which we call essence. And who is there that is more than he who is said to his servant Moses, I am that I am. And thus shall thou say unto the children of Israel, he who, has, he who is hath sent me unto you. But other things that are called essences or substances admit of accidents, 
whereby a change, whether great or small, is produced in them. But there can be no accident of this kind in respect to God, and therefore he who is God is the only unchangeable substance or essence to whom certain, certainly be, being itself, whence comes the name of essence, most especially and most truly belongs. For that which is changed does not retain its own being, and that which can be changed, although it be not actually changed, is able not to be that which it had been. And hence, that which not only is not changed, but also cannot at all be changed, alone falls most truly, without difficulty or hesitation, under the category of being. Augustine on the Trinity, that's chapter 5, and that is a tongue twister. But let me tell you something that might shock you if you haven't been involved in this conversation. There are men who are denying this statement. And they are putting motion in God. They are putting change in the will of God. They say, well, if God can affect change outside of himself, he must change in himself. And they're putting that in God, in say, or ad intra, that is in God himself. And so they're denying, they're not, they're not denying Thomism. They're denying Augustinianism, right? And in denying Augustinianism, I would say they're just denying apostolic Christianity as it appears in the scriptures, as it was put together and repeated in uh, the creedal orthodoxy of Nicaea, Athanasius, the Apostles' Creed, uh, Chalcedon, and they are denying this fundamental reality of the unchanging God that appears to us in Malachi 3.6. It comes to us in uh, in, in the New Testament, in James, uh, we see it back in Numbers. God is not a man that he should change his mind. God does not change. Therefore, Jacob, you shall not be consumed. There is no variation or shadow of turning in him. All good gifts come from him. So, be aware that men are denying this, this fundamental reality of theology proper, and we should stand strong and defend it. Not only is the immutability of God, as it's properly construed by those like Augustine and Thomas, biblical, but it's absolutely essential to understanding the scriptures as a whole within their proper context. It is the unchangeable God who re revealed these things to us. And because of that, the scriptures will never become obsolete. The scriptures will never become um, something that is not correspondent to reality. The scriptures will never become uh, ineffective. They will never become inaccurate. Because they are grounded in and caused by and revealed by a God who is unchanging in himself. All right, so if this episode was helpful, again, please uh, hit subscribe. Uh, give me a thumbs up. Don't forget to check out the newsletter right here, joshsummer.substack.com. Subscribe to that. Be there, be square. I will see you then. God bless.